it's such an incredibly liberating experience. Obviously, different disciplines conduct research differently, and since there's so many different disciplines that are covered within this College Scholar program, it's easy to see that entire range. I think that the ability to apply many disciplines, um, ideas, and ways of thinking about topics to your project is one of the most important parts of the College Scholar program for me. And so for students in similar situations, I would absolutely encourage them to apply as well. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language. McKenna Norton and Jack Dinellen are undergraduates in the College Scholar Program at Cornell. They describe the motivations and process behind their ambitious multidisciplinary undertakings. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Today, we have two undergraduate students in the studio with us. McKenna Norton and Jack Donellan are members of the Class of 2025 cohort of the Robert S. Harrison College Scholar Program. We will hear more about their projects that focus on responses to alienation across cultures and on the role of language in the application of the rule of law around the world. Welcome to Speaking of Language, McKenna and Jack. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Before we dive into the College Scholar Program and your specific projects, uh, please tell us a bit more about your background and your interest in different languages and cultures. Jack, maybe you could kick us off. Sure. Uh, my name is Jack, um, as you've already said, but I'm from uh, Brooklyn, New York, and so I study uh, government here at Cornell. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I guess that major program is doesn't require that many courses, and sure. so I've kind of um, in addition to the college scholar program, but I've tried to kind of figure out what ways from since I was a freshman mm-hmm. to, you know, fill up the extra time, what classes to take. Mm-hmm. And so I guess something that always interested me was taking language classes. And so nice. I've done that since I've came here. So I've taken um, actually three languages. So I've taken uh, French, mm-hmm. Hebrew, Arabic at different points. Wow, and nice. so I've, um, uh, you know, my goal is to try to get to the advanced level in those mm-hmm. languages, but um, it's just been like a, a nice way to, I don't know, fill out my time mm-hmm. here. At, at yeah, Cornell. and balance yeah. what you're doing here. That's awesome. We love it <laughs> when students take all the languages. <laughs> McKenna, what about you? Uh, so, hi, my name is McKenna Norton. I'm a, a junior. Uh, in addition to the College Scholar Program, I'm also studying Asian Studies with a focus on China and Taiwan. Mm. Um, my interest in languages began when I was younger, when my family moved to Shanghai, China, mm. uh, which jump-started both my interest in um, Sinophone cultures and also my study of Mandarin Chinese. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, I've also taken up Spanish. Um, and... So far, those are the only two languages I've um, committed to, but <laughs> I'm, I'm very interested in learning more languages uh-huh. in the future. Awesome. That's what we like to hear. So as we mentioned, both of you are part of the Robert S. Harrison College Scholar Program here at Cornell, which represents the pinnacle of a liberal arts experience. The program welcomes a small group of stellar students each year whose interests transcend disciplinary boundaries. Students design their own interdisciplinary major, which is generally organized around a question or issue of interest, and then pursue a course of study that can't be found in an already established major. 
So college scholars also undertake an independent senior project, which usually culminates in an honors thesis that allows for engagement and learning in the classroom and beyond. So thinking about your two projects, what are they about? McKenna, why don't you get us started? Fantastic. So uh, as mentioned earlier, the key question of my project is about alienation. Uh, alienation is a complex term of sociology, but we can think about it as disconnection from something important. So somebody can be alienated from community, for example, or from the environment. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in how different case studies have responded to alienation. Essentially, I'm looking at situations where people live together in intentional communities like uh, communes, eco-villages, monasteries, etc., hmm. and how these group living arrangements serve to reduce members' feelings of alienation with the goal of applying these techniques to future patterns of living. Essentially, my goal is to use the techniques these folks have already figured out mm -hmm. and use them to help make everybody ha happier, healthier, and more connected to each other. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, Very that's, cool. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and you said that potentially you might have plans to um, study abroad as well as part of this and, and using it some case studies. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. So I spent this past summer in Taiwan in a monastery, hmm. uh, which was uh, incredibly uh, illuminating for this project and also uh, personally. Yeah. I hope to continue this uh, goal of studying abroad in uh, Taiwan, but also in some areas in Latin America and some areas around the United States with case studies of eco-villages, communes, monasteries, etc. Tell us more about that time in a monastery. <laughs> I would love to. Um, <laughs> I would love to. It was an absolutely incredible experience. Um, I spent the time uh, volunteering there and also participating in uh, chanting, meditation, hmm. um, etc. with the monastics. It was an incredible experience, and it's um, changed my view of how I study Buddhism, hmm. um, whereas previously I would have considered it strictly from an academic um, lens, very theoretical lens. I guess I'm learning more about the power of a very embodied um, academic experience, mm -hmm. which challenges not only our our ability to understand the the very theoretical aspects of the religion, but also what it means to actually live it out in daily life. And studying the practice of the monastics was incredibly um, useful in this regard. So coming from a language background, what was the the day-to-day language that was used? Oh, yes. Uh, so it was in, in Taiwan. So it was entirely okay, Mandarin okay. Chinese. Okay. Uh, it was uh, challenging at first to to learn Buddhist vocabulary, which is yeah. <laughs> um, safe bet. to say not what I was learning in the classroom <laughs> setting. Right. Um, but it worked out pretty well for me and was very interesting. Interesting. Well, and I'd, I'm wondering, Jack, for your project, I guess, um, in the in the field of, of government, that is vocabulary that's very different and separate, too. Can you talk a little bit about your project and, and what you are doing? Yeah, totally. So um, I was, I guess, I mean, I guess I was coming to it from the, the government major of perspective, course, right? Yeah. And so I was interested in... Um, I had taken a law class in freshman year, and I was interested in the fact that um, just the law is written in such a way where if you like remove one word or add one word mm -hmm. or interpret one word mm -hmm. differently, or if two people, uh, for example, interpret something differently, that can lead to an entirely different outcome for a lot of people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, a lot of the policy debates or the legal debates that you know really we see on our news screens all mm -hmm. the time or we read about happen because people interpret you know mm. these like very old texts mm -hmm. differently and so it kind of struck me there 
that there's a, a question that goes beyond just like the law or the government or how, you know, what the government should be doing today, but it has to do with just how people interpret mm-hmm. text of course, or how yeah. people, mm-hmm. you know, process text or what people want to take out of a text. And that made me ask this question, like, is there something like innate about like a text itself mm-hmm. or like, is there something like, oh, this, this is a law that's written in English or this mm-hmm. is a law that's written in French. Is there something about like the linguistic aspect of the text or uh, just something, so something that's separate from government, separate from, from the law itself that, that makes people process it or interpret it a certain way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I know that stretches beyond, I guess, the realm of government, but I think it's interesting to yeah. like think about different languages and maybe how, uh, maybe we interpret law or maybe we interpret those language because of like our own cultural background mm, sure. or our mm-hmm. own kind of how we grew up. But maybe there's something beyond that. Maybe there's something about the language itself. And I think there's a, there's a distinction there that, mm-hmm. that could be interesting to explore as I, you know, go into senior year that's next great. year. Yeah, that's so interesting. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. So um, I, I'd love to know for both of you, what prompted your interest in these topics and um, who are you working with on campus, your faculty advisor and anyone else who might be contributing? Jack, why don't you kick us off for that? So, so yeah, so in terms of this particular um, project, I actually have, I mean, I've been speaking to people just around around campus and mm-hmm. talking to friends and, and family about it and just like bouncing ideas off of them. But I haven't, um, you know, started writing a thesis about it or, or sure. completing a project. And so that's definitely something for the future. Right now, I mean, I'm, I'm really focused on or interested in developing good research skills. So, Mm, mm -hmm. I mean, we took this, had to take this college scholar seminar course last year that was really focused on getting us to think about how to come up with our own research questions, Mm -hmm. um, engage in the research process, uh, use different forms of software that help, I guess, researchers or help professors at Cornell, um, you know, make out or produce publications. Uh, And so uh, that, I mean, that was on Professor Goldstein, who's our director of the College Scholar Program. Um, And then I've also gotten to do some, over the summer, I got to do some research in the sociology department uh, with Professor Marlani, which was cool. And she runs this other project on Title IX, um, Mm. but which is, again, unrelated. But but I think right now I'm just interested in developing developing research skills and and putting that towards, you know, next year writing my own Mm -hmm. thesis. Great. And McKenna, how about you? What uh, got you interested in alienation and everything else that goes into your project? Absolutely. So the thing which uh, prompted my interest in not only alienation, but methods to resolve it, especially community-based methods, was an internship I did the summer after my freshman year with the Nexus program Mm -hmm. under Professor Jane Marie Law. Um, This experience... um, not only introduced me to the the theoretical sociological concept of alienation, but also was a very hands-on um, project in teaching sustainability skills to a broader community without uh, technical expertise in these matters. Mm-hmm. So it uh, transformed the way I think about uh, community building, um, sustainability, what a sustainable future could look like, and that really prompted my interest in, in this topic, especially in alienation and eco-villages. Um, In terms of people I'm working with on campus, my advisor uh, for this project is Jane Marie Law in the Asian Studies Department. But my thinking has also been uh, deeply influenced by others, including uh, Carolyn Fornoff in um, Latin American Studies, Mm -hmm. who researches uh, ecofeminism, Arnica Furman uh, in uh, Comparative Literature and FGSS, 
and uh, Nick Adamson in the Asian Studies Department. Oh, nice. That's a broad array of people who are involved. It's <laughs> yes. wonderful. Well, and it sounds like same for you, Jack, right? You're talking to lots of different people, getting input from lots of different perspectives. I think that's that's interesting. So what I would like to hear more about is um, what do you think your project will actually uncover? And I think you're maybe at different stages in your projects right now, but do you have a specific hunch of, you know, if you can fast forward a year right now, uh, looking at your at your honors thesis, what are your findings? McKenna, what do you think you will find? Well, I guess something that's been um, transformative for me in the last couple of years thinking about my project is just a measure of intellectual humility. Mm. I suppose mm. I started out my project with the idea that I would discover some, you know, key way of undoing alienation that would resolve all of our problems, essentially. And as it turns <laughs> out, um, alienation is a very complex topic. Um, it's very hard <laughs> to resolve it. Um, and the topics or the techniques that have been used to resolve it are not the same in all times and spaces. So I suppose the way I see my project has transformed from finding some panacea, which will solve all our problems, to maybe uncovering how these specific folks have found ways to do it. Um, and maybe leaving my project there, not trying to draw any excessively broad conclusions, mm -hmm. um, just rather focusing on a more uh, anthropological study of um, what are some ways one could, in theory, in specific cultural contexts, resolve alienation to mm -hmm. some extent. Yeah. Well, Jack, and I know this is a, a kind of tricky question, um, but what do you think you will uncover? Um, so, I mean, one of the things that I thought about is how to um, study uh, this question of, mm -hmm. of language and law and the relationship, because yeah. there's a lot of ways that you could go about it. There's sure. like an empirical kind of path where you're, uh, maybe you even were to conduct a small study with different language speakers. I mean, mm -hmm. this was one of my ideas, like how, how, how could I, you know, get a group of people that speak two languages mm -hmm. or give them a couple of texts in, a, in two different languages and see, mm -hmm. you know, if maybe if you read X law or X text in, yeah. in language A versus language B, that there's some sort of interpretation that that's different because language A is just different from language sure. B. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I think that even if you went down that approach, if you went down a more kind of analytical approach where you're looking at, you know, legal history, both both times I, I, I have a hunch that <laughs> um, that language, you know, is is to a great degree inseparable from like the culture that it you know, embodies. Absolutely. And yeah. so I, I don't think that language is just like the static thing mm -hmm. that, you know, doesn't have any impact on how we perceive things. I think that, you know, if you speak a certain language or, you you, you know, different languages have different cultural associations, yeah. you know, words in different languages date back to, you know, or, or are tied to different religious traditions or, um, Certainly, yeah. you know, and so I think that you can't escape that when you mm -hmm. try to use language in something as, you know, maybe as sterile or as non you know or, or as supposed supposedly universal as the law mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. and so you know i think that's just like an important thing to to keep in mind as you you know talk about law and policy mm -hmm. and, and all of these things that there's this kind of linguistic undertone you know where language is is tied to to culture yeah absolutely yeah that's fascinating i can't wait to see what you guys actually do uncover and your write-up for your thesis in a little over a year. That's great. Yeah. Why would you encourage other students to apply for the College Scholar Program? I guess I would absolutely encourage uh, students with interdisciplinary interests to apply to the College Scholar Program. 
because it's such an incredibly liberating experience. Mm. For me, my interests span across um, three continents, three mm. languages, um, and in terms of disciplines, I mean, I, I'm reaching into sociology, anthropology, religious studies, yeah. um, comparative literature, I mean, FGSS, and so much more. It's it's simply not possible for me to do my project in a way that I would find satisfying within, for example, the Asian Studies Department alone or any other department alone. Sure. I think that the the freedom which comes with being able to apply various um, disciplines, way of thinking about a topic to your project. I think that the ability to apply many disciplines, um, ideas, and ways of thinking about topics to your project is one of the most important parts of the College Scholar Program for me. And so for students in similar situations, I would absolutely encourage them to apply as well. And I'd just add on to that, actually, McKenna. I think there's a, a couple other things that, that I'd, I'd also add on. I think those are all <laughs> excellent. Those are like the main points mm. that you're hitting. Um, <laughs> one thing that stuck out to me is just the resources. I think at Cornell, we've got a lot of different resources, like the Language Resource Center. But yeah. um, but you have to go in and actually tap into those resources. So mm-hmm. um the College Scholar Program, if you're interested in research and the process of research mm-hmm. and, and finding out something new or, or you have an idea that's like in your head, it's a great way to actually learn about how to conduct that research yeah. or, um, or get access to funds or resources um, or professors mm-hmm. that you know, sure. know about the College yeah. Scholar Program that you mm-hmm. can talk to. Um, it's, it's a great way to you know, kickstart your research mm-hmm. career in a way like if you if, mm-hmm. if you haven't done any research before um and so for me i think something that's grown on me and that i'm really interested in um is just this process of conducting research yeah. um and also uh how it varies across disciplines so obviously different sure, disciplines yeah. conduct research differently and since there's so many different disciplines that are covered within this college scholar program it's mm-hmm easy to see that entire range uh, and then also obviously go in your your, your specific direction mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And I'll also add as one more thing, the College Scholar Program is made up of folks in so many different um, disciplinary situations and working on so many different projects. Mm-hmm. I feel like the experience for me of being in a room with um, people working on science projects that I will never understand mm-hmm. um, yeah. and yeah, right? all yeah. these kinds of different um, topics which I have no knowledge of but all working towards a common goal of uniting different disciplines for um, to find new research mm-hmm. I think is very valuable mm-hmm. because I don't have experience with many science folks I know the science folks often don't get m- much exposure to humanities disciplines sure. so I think this kind of blending is also very helpful yeah. to form a really great intellectual community mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. absolutely yeah opens up new ways of thinking new ways of seeing things <laughs> and in- interpreting things yes. right. texts <laughs> among many other things yes <laughs> that's awesome well if we have any rising sophomores out there who are currently listening the application deadline is actually coming up for the next cohort on october 13th so sharpen your pencils your, I mean, it's it's an online application, so sharpen, <laughs> sharpen your your showing, Apple pencils. Showing our age yes, a little yes, bit. Yes, yes. <laughs> we are not rising sophomores. No, we are not. Definitely not. Um, but get those applications in and join the College Scholar Program. So, what else is in your future? Obviously, writing up your projects. But Jack, what do you think is up on the horizon for you? maybe post-graduation from Cornell? Oh, tough question. Um, <laughs> I, 
I know that I want to pursue higher education. I'm not sure if that means like law school or if that means a PhD, but mm -hmm. I know that uh, I feel like a spark has been lit, maybe awesome. from this program. But yeah. I um, and I, I'm currently, you know, really in the process of trying to to figure out what that next step mm -hmm. is. So, mm -hmm. um, I mean, this semester you'll find me in. Uh, CS, stats, and econ, just because, and they're a little bit different from, you know, the gov classes that I've been taking before. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. But it's just because I'm trying to, you know, figure out what kind of lights that spark. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I know it's there. So just have to yeah, figure that's out what awesome. it is. Well, and you have time. And also figuring out what you don't like, right? I think that's, that's, true. that's yeah. a very important piece of the puzzle, too. <laughs> McKenna, what about you? Uh, same as you, Jack. I'm thinking about higher education. Um, for me, this will probably look like pursuing a PhD. Um, and likely a postdoc at this point of thinking about going into academia as a career, mm -hmm. um, as I've, I've really, like Jack, fallen in love with the research aspect of yeah. it and the kind of intellectual freedom that, that this um, enables. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, this has been really interesting, really beautiful uh, to hear about what you're researching and, and you know, everything on the horizon. So thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, but before we sign off, We'd like to ask each of you to share a word in a language you speak, love, are learning, want to learn that doesn't exist in English, but you wish it did. Let's hear those words. McKenna, maybe you can start. Yes. So the word I'm thinking of is uh, It's a word in Mandarin Chinese. Essentially, it directly translates to um knife mouth tofu heart um <laughs> and it means somebody who has a very sharp tongue but it has a soft heart inside oh, i love the the tactileness of it i love uh -huh. i love how physical it is yeah, i love the, the contrast yeah. yeah i love everything about it i think it's a very good word it that describes some of my favorite people i, I love that <laughs> also the translation sounds like uh like a neutral milk hotel i think, <laughs> I think that might also be showing my age but Anyway, Jack, what about you? It's okay. I also listen to the Neutral Milk Hotel. So. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Um, this is maybe, this is a easier word, but uh, in Arabic and Hebrew, there's both, there's this word called yala, which is like, let's go. Like, uh, mm. it's a nice little, mm -hmm. you know, little word to add at the end of something. So, uh, or at the beginning of something, but um, uh, to, you know, kick you off or, mm -hmm, or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I thought that would be a fun fun word to share. Well, and I think you can hear it in it. There's a, a spring in your step exactly, in that word, right? Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Very much so. Cool. Well, thank you so much for speaking of language with us today, McKenna and Jack. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Tune in next week to hear from Simon Zuberich about corpora data and their applications in the language classroom. Until then... Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.